Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 29 of the show where geeks and God collide. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And I pretty much just mispronounced my last name, Mike. That's the kind of day I'm having. Oh, uh, uh, I, I, I can tell it's the same way here because I didn't even notice you mispronounced your last name. And, <laughs> and we've been doing this for over a year, dude, and I just, I didn't even know. Uh, you know, hey, that's uh, that's the way it is. Um, you know, I think though, I I don't really have an excuse. You, on the other hand, I think kind of do. How you feeling, man? I know you've been busy. You've had a big week uh, with the Boston project. It's it's weird because I'm both incredibly tired and not at the same time. Because like I'm not necessarily sleepy, tired. Like I could be up for hours and still be fine but my whole body is just yelling at me <laughs> I, I could be up for hours as long as i sit in this chair right i i am sore and highly sunned i'm stretched out like too much beef jerky as it were because i've been in the sun all week long doing projects over at the boston project too little butter spread on too much toast so to speak. there you go yeah uh, I am definitely, I'm definitely fried right now. You know, I think maybe our long-time listeners, those who've been with us since the very, very, very beginning, might remember that right as this show started, very close, and had to be within the first few episodes. We started in July, and just like this year, beginning of August, I was off to go to Boston Project. There you go. So this is, this is kind of a, a second anniversary uh, Boston Project, for the show at least. Uh, not that we have any part in it, other than to sit here and talk about it. Uh, so remind everybody what this is all about. Uh, who's going? Why are you on taking a week to uh, to go to Boston for ministry? Uh, the Boston Project is a year-round ministry that uh, focuses on kind of the the inner city area of Boston, specifically into uh, a place called Dorchester, but it's it's all throughout Boston. Um, in fact, this year we actually went to a place that I'd never been to. We went into South Boston this year, but, um, they do all throughout the year. They do stuff like do youth ministry and, and, uh, focus on getting stuff together for the local communities and, and youth outreach. But over the summer, they do what they have now dubbed as the, the summer missions projects. And, uh, what this is, is, is that. Youth groups literally from all over the country come to Boston to uh, basically work our butts off to help support the community. It's to go in to help homeowners, to help local organizations, and pretty much just go in with the attitude of we're here to serve and we'll do whatever you need us to do. Uh, So what kind of stuff? Are you doing? Is this a uh, building houses? Is this a mowing lawns? Is this a putting on a VBS kind of thing? What are you and your kids there doing? Our kids, the the trips we usually do are more towards the mowing lawns aspect of things. Um, it's a lot of what we do ends up helping homeowners. We do actually uh, help out organizations too. It all depends literally on what the Boston Project needs us to do sure. during yeah, the week we show up. Right. But uh, this year we actually had a, a we were kind of surprised because the actual physical work that we ended up doing was pretty on the light side. I mean, there were days that we did hard physical labor, but there were also days that we found ourselves just kind of lying around, like not really working that hard and uh, having 
pretty decent sized breaks, and we were surprised by this. Um, on the same token, though, it was probably uh, for myself and for a number of our kids. It was probably one of the more emotionally hard years that we've been up there. Well, that's interesting. Is it just because of maybe individual things that that kids brought to camp, or was there something going on that that caused that? Some of it is uh, individual stuff. A couple sure. of our kids, um, through through small group stuff and stuff that I won't get into, but uh, shared just a ton of just the pain and the. The, the heartache that they're going through in their lives right now. And it, it really resonated with my story and when I was their age. And so we had one night where there was just a whole lot of deep, deep, deep conversation, prayer, and, and even tears were shed. Um, some of the other kids, their experiences weren't necessarily that, that personal, but it was the, the sort of things that they're, they were exposed to while we were there. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, we had last year, we didn't have any kids that met the age requirement because you have to be 17 to do this specific event. But on Wednesday night, they worked with an organization called Starlight, which is a homeless ministry uh, there in Boston, right in the heart of the city. And it's mostly just to sit and to talk and to provide meals and stuff for homeless folks in the city. And every one of our kids came back with these amazing and even heart-wrenching stories about the people they talk to. And the hardest it's the hardest thing about uh, ministries like this is sometimes when, you know you, you want to go in there and say, "This is what we accomplished. We did this, and then it was it's still going to be there." Uh, these kids who went out to Starlight, they, uh, they came back and they said, "We talked with this person for hours, and we gave them food and gave them a blanket." We came home, they went back to sleep in the park. And so our kids our kids were understandably shaken by that. Like all the people they talked to ended up still sleeping in the park that night. Hmm. Yeah, it's and, very different when, you know, to go and build something that's a permanent presence and, and you can see, oh look, this is what we did and you kinda you kinda leave happy. It's a very different thing when you go and realize you're you're facing some more long term systemic problems. Right. And you might be able to be a little bit of brightness, but you're not gonna you're not gonna leave anything big behind. There there was some of that too though. I don't wanna think that it's oh, all, you sure. know, doom and gloom because a couple of our kids uh worked on doing some construction for a local homeowner. Um and actually just an amazing couple. Uh their names are Bob and Joan, and both of them are in their nineties. Um Bob is one of the smartest dudes I've ever met and uh, just a real fascinating uh, history between them. Uh, Just a really powerful, really community centered couple. Um, They were actually also one of the first, uh, one of the earliest interracial married couples in this, in the city of Boston. And so they, to hear them talk about what it was like, even just being together when they first got together, it was just really amazing and we're there and last year our kids built them a compost pile for the garden that they have and so this year they came back and saw that not only was it still standing but it was being it was being used and so that was really cool for our kids to come back one year later and see how what they did for that couple uh is actually helping them out 
But it was it was kind of crazy too because like our our first day we worked with this organization called Fair Foods. And what Fair Foods does is that they have uh, agreements with local grocery stores and things like that. And what happens when you when you're talking about like the, especially the big chain grocery stores, uh, if they get like a pallet of say let's just say like apples, and one of those apples goes bad because of the fact that they think that there's like some kind of cross contamination thing, they're thinking all of them are going to go bad. If they haven't gone bad yet, they will. Right. And so they It'll just toss. Soon. They toss all of them. Well, what Fair Foods does is is that Fair Foods comes in and says, we'll take the time to sort out the good ones from the bad ones. We'll take that time. If you just give us what you're about to throw out, we can get it into the hands of people who really need it. So Fair Foods sends out vans and trucks all, all over the city to get food together. And they'll sell like 30 or 40 dollars worth of fresh vegetables and fruit whatever the stores are getting rid of right and they'll sell it for two dollars so families who can't afford to get fresh food are now able to get fresh food and bring it home for their families uh for literally like a, a tiny fraction of what what it would cost normally to pennies get on the dollar food. so to speak right so when when they announced, okay, on Monday, you guys are going to go help Fair Foods. My kids and I are like, yes, this is going to be awesome. We are going to go give food to people, or we're going to go in trucks and we're going to collect the food, or or we're going to go to the market where they sell the bags, or we're going to put the bags together, right? And they said, no, what you're going to do is, <laughs> is take this pack of flyers and stick it on car windows and in mailboxes. Yeah. And all well, of our kids... Not glamorous, but but vital. No, and and that's exactly how it worked out. Uh, our kids, by the time we were done that day, were getting a little disheartened because it it's a long day. We were stuffing envelopes for what was probably about five to six hours, that's and not fun. that gets old. <laughs> but at the same time, when we got back to Fair Foods, um, the woman who runs it is a woman uh, by the name of Nancy. And Nancy looked at us and she says, eight people have already called. So eight people who had no idea that this service was even there, let alone the fact that they could do it. Because I don't know if you know how a lot of like the food banks and stuff work, but you have to pretty much prove that you're poor. Sure. Nancy doesn't do that. Fair Foods right. doesn't do that. They just say, here's a bag of food for $2. And so a lot of these people who don't have, you know, this documentation or that documentation don't or maybe get. who are just who are just on the other side of the line. Right. Or or even just they're too too proud because nobody wants to admit that they can't afford to feed their family. Nobody wants right. to admit that. So a lot of these people don't get the help that's there for them for one reason or another. And so there are eight people who are now seeing this this new opportunity to feed their families because we were out there uh, putting flyers on windows and stuffing mailboxes. Well, you think about it, eight, it's probably more like it, 30, 40, or 50 people right, just, from those that, eight who, just from those eight who called when you think of their families and the, the people they're going to tell. They're going to tell their neighbor. They're going to tell whatever. That, uh, that little bit of ministry, you know, it's, 
it grows. Yeah, definitely. And it was it was cool for our, our kids to see that. It was cool for when Nancy told them that I could see like a whole bunch of kids who had previously been complaining, Oh, we're not really doing anything. We need to go out and do something. Uh, a lot of these same kids were kind of nodding their head like, wow, like what we did really helped out and it's really impacting people and it's really helping Nancy and Fair Foods out. So, so yeah. Cool. It's so like it w- another successful uh, Boston project. But the question on everybody's mind, inquiring minds want to know, did you get your cannoli? Of course I did. Oh, good. That's good. Are you kidding me? In fact, this year I was taking orders because the kids that went out to Starlight couldn't go out and uh, get the cannolis themselves. So, yeah, I had I had kids yelling at me, Perna, go get me this. Can you get me a peanut butter one? Can you get me, get me something chocolate? I'm like, all right, <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> you so, come home with a big old box. Oh, I came out of there with like seven cannolis. Nice. But uh, I did that, and I also went to Newberry Comics. Oh, good. How'd that go? Uh, it went well. I'm I'm a little I'm a little disheartened by the fact that the comics section of Newberry Comics is shrinking. I, it is the way, man. I'm telling you, they're gone. Yeah, it's it was it was definitely not as good a selection as it used to be, and the the novelty stuff and the movies. Yeah, the, and, you know, they got to start calling them geek stores. Yeah, really. No, there's still plenty Which of Which we appreciate. Stuff. We do appreciate greatly. Um, but it was it was harder for me to have that epic geek moment, though I did have it because um I shared and it was it was over another Batman book actually. Um those of you who listened last year remember that m- probably my favorite moment of the trip last year was when I got to take a handful of guys and we went to Newberry Comics and I was talking to them about comic books, I was talking to them about Batman. And uh, one of the kids, upon my recommendation, bought The Killing Joke, which is one of my favorite Batman books ever. Well, apparently it happened again, because this year uh, I was asked, before we even got to Newberry Comics, what my favorite, what one of my favorite comic books, if not my favorite comic book ever was. And I, after a lot of thought and kind of anguish, because there's so many to choose from, I picked Arkham Asylum. Which is a truly epic Batman book, which kind of spawned the Batman video game franchise that we know today. Uh, and one of our kids walked out buying Arkham Asylum. So that was a cool thing. I, I did walk out with uh, a couple books myself, though I did have to... How do I put this politely? I had to put down books because my wife... I, I would have to explain to my wife why I spent $60 on comic books. Yeah, you know, I actually had a very similar experience recently. Uh, I was up in a town that uh, you would not consider as, you know, to have these kind of things. And I I was actually looking for a hobby store, right? Right. When you think about hobby store, you think about the place that sells RC cars, they sell models. Models. uh, That kind of thing, right? Train sets, things like that. Right, right. And so I just... You know, I'm out and about. I have a little bit of extra time, so I pull out my phone and I say hobby store because I, I needed to pick a few things up. And I, lo and behold, there is one nearby, so I, I head over there. This place is like Mecca. It's <laughs> ridiculous. There's like a whole wall of vintage Star Wars toys. And nice. I collect Star Wars toys. I have like 500 Star Wars toys, okay? 
uh, there's this whole wall of them. And the thing about vintage Star Wars toys is they're really, really expensive. Oh, yeah, they are. Okay, I'm not talking about the new stuff or the stuff that they re-released that looks exactly like the old stuff, except for one tiny minor little thing. But I'm talking the real deal old stuff. Especially the like, stuff that's still in the boxes. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's all in box, and it's, in, it's in great stuff. And I just had to kind of look at it and be like, I can't do this. I kind of I have to just erase from my memory banks that this place is here. Buy what I came in here for and leave. <laughs> and so, yeah, I definitely definitely feel your uh, your pain, man. So yeah, I had I had to behave, but I still got a couple books. I got a. Uh, collected volume of a new... I, I didn't realize they re-released this this character in the Batman universe, but uh, apparently they brought Azrael back. Uh, Azrael... Uh, I'm gonna give you a big... What? Azrael uh, is uh, when Batman... Uh, spoiler for those of you who don't read the books and, and only know Batman from the movies... Um, in the comic books, Bane is a lot bigger and nastier than he was in this movie. Yes, I knew that part. And Bane ends up being Bruce Wayne's kind of nemesis because he is just as smart as Batman and three times the size. And so at one point in in the storyline, Bane gets Bruce Wayne as Batman and breaks his back. Literally snaps the bat over his knee. I do remember that image. Well, when Batman goes down, Gotham can't be without Batman. And so they find somebody else while Bruce Wayne is healing and trying to uh, rehabilitate himself. Gotham still needs Batman. And so there's a a uh, superhero that kind of got his own offshoot comic book um, based off of, of his time in Batman. It's a guy named Azrael. The whole idea is, is that uh, Azrael is a member of a uh, an order of pretty much this this monk order that considers themselves the avenging angels of God. Hence, Azrael. Yes, they're mm-hmm. as a collective. They they feel that that uh, justice needs to be served on the edge of a sword, and. Azriel is kind of there's usually one Azriel and he is one of the the high ranking members of the order pl- is is he embodies Azriel who literally has a flaming sword that he cuts down villains with It's a absolutely fascinating time in the Batman story arc I really I really enjoyed seeing uh Azriel take over Batman and then Bruce Wayne reclaiming Batman because his philosophy of how justice is met is uh, meted out is completely different than Azrael's version of justice, and so there's like epic storylines of Batman and Bruce Wayne reclaiming the cowl uh, from Azrael, but uh, Azrael gets up his own storyline, and I picked up. This this book, which is I'm guessing the first of a series, and uh, it's called Azrael Death's Dark Night, and the whole idea is is uh, Azrael has kind of rebuilt the order and has kind of gone about the business of uh, giving out justice old school all throughout Gotham, 
And uh, so I'm, I'm really interested in that book. I also picked up one that, you know, on its surface, I was kind of leery about. But at the same point, I started reading about it, and I started looking at some of the pictures, and I realized I couldn't walk away. Uh, it was... Have you seen this, Luke? I don't know if you have or not. Uh, in the comic book world, there's this new thing where they take classic characters and give them a very noir kind of rebuild. Right. I am now in possession of a hardcover of uh, Wolverine Noir. Oh, okay. Where uh, Logan is playing a detective in a... Holodeck? <laughs> he's He's playing a... A detective in... I forget what, what city he's in. But, uh, yeah, no, he's playing a, a detective in a very trench coat, cloak and dagger kind of setting. But he's Wolverine. And Always so, helps to have adamantium claws. Uh, you know, no matter it, what your job is. It can't, it can't hurt. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested in that one. But, uh... Very cool. Sounded like you had a, a good week. It was a very good week, and I'm very tired, and it was really good to come back, because not uh, while I, I kind of did that whole tongue-in-cheek, haha, I had to put the comic book down because I had to explain to my wife why I'm spending money, I will, at the same in the same breath, say that it was it was a lot harder to be gone this year. Because last year, Susan and I were just kind of, we were just, we were dating. And, you know, I wanted to see her, but we hadn't, you know, it, things are different when you get married. They just are. I'm this sure your you... First, your first trip? This is my first trip away mm-hmm. since we got married. And I was gone for a week. And so coming back and seeing Susan, it was, it was, yeah, I was really happy to be home. <laughs> Oh, very cool. So, Luke, what have you been up to lately? Because uh, I've, I've been know, in Boston cloud. I, I'm, I'm still catching up with what's going on in everybody's world and the geek world, and you know, all the uh, craziness. Com- compared to your week, um, really not a whole lot. Uh, it's actually been a very dull week here. Um, you know, it's kind of the the middle of summer, just sort of dog days in it, and. Uh, you know, just life kind of goes on. You're just kind of hanging out with friends, doing stuff, but nothing, nothing super significant. Uh, good time to catch up on video games and books, and uh, so I've been doing some of that. And uh, I, I blame you, actually. You blame me for the like twelve hours of civilization I have put in in the last week or so. Listen, listen. Uh, just because I fault. mentioned that I got I, a deal no, and a no, half, no, 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 that's like that's like. Coming to an addict and being like, hey, you know what, man? You want a drink? That's what you've done. That's what you've done. Uh, then, then I'd actually, like to okay, officially so say I'm sorry. Here's the thing. Um, and I didn't realize this until, like, maybe today or yesterday. Uh, okay, so when Civilization Five came out, which is, like, almost two years ago now. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a project called 52 Weeks of Geek. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on this show, but I probably have. But uh, in 2010, I got the crazy idea in my head to watch 52 movies, read 52 novels, uh, and play through 52 video games. And we all thought you were crazy. Right. And uh, and I chronicled all that, and you can go to 52weeksofgeek.com and 
it's all there, kind of archived and, and ready to look at, right? Um, and during that time is when Civilization V came out. Well, you can imagine, right? Trying to play through 52 video games. It's, and if you, you just kind of think about that, it's not as easy as it sounds, okay? Um, and when one of them is Civilization, you're in real trouble. You don't play through Civilization. Right. And so what I had to force myself to do was a single playthrough of Civ V. And this was like, like in, in the wow. middle of the year. And then I had to move on to other stuff so that I could finish the project. I did finish, by the way, with a couple of days to spare. But, uh, And so I kind of never really got that, like, deep, like, crazy connection that you can get to civilization, you know? Right. And now I have. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so definitely been playing a whole lot of that. Uh, did end up picking up the expansion. and. Uh, been playing that as well. I uh, haven't played the steampunk world. I think I'm going to do that next. But uh, yeah, so uh, just enjoying that. Um, playing Lego Harry Potter with my wife, uh, which is interesting. First time she's ever used an Xbox controller. <laughs> uh, so that's been, she's like, what the heck am I doing? Which one am I on the screen? And uh, But she is a Harry Potter fanatic. So uh, that's fun. And she also has got a thing for the Harry Potter Legos. Um, and so that, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, otherwise just, uh, doing a lot of weird reading, uh, deep King Arthur lore stuff. And, Ooh. uh, yeah, not too much going on. Um, and you know what? There's not too much going on in the geek world either. Uh, there really is. It's, it's just that time as, of as year. we've been talking, I kind of have steam rolling around in the, the, on the background of my computer here and everything is pre-purchase this. Pre-purchase this. Or pre-purchase this. bundly stuff. Nothing or, is like, available now. Everything is pre-purchase. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Last week, we uh, we talked on the show, uh, last episode, not week. That's prob- that's not the right way to, right way to say it. Um, about, uh, like, the Humble Indie Bundle. We just talked about this the kind of whole indie world. and Yeah. Uh, so we, we love the indie publishers. And so I pick up uh, an app on my phone called The Heist. And okay. it's a collection of uh, puzzle games. So, I mean, it's stuff that's like, you know, move the blocks around, solve the puzzle, or connect the wires, solve the puzzle, that kind of stuff, right? Slidey things, mostly. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good brain puzzle. And I was like, ah, I got this. It's free. There's a ton of people who've got positive reviews on it. Um, so last night, I, I downloaded this game. And uh, I look up after a little while, and it's been like three hours. And I realize, wow, I'm kind of stuck on this, and now I have to finish it. Uh, because you're, you're, the, the image is a vault, right? And it's got all these security things, and you're breaking through the security. It's really cheesy. But, yeah, you know, you're like, oh, I gotta get into the stupid vault, right? So finally, at like 11.30 last night, I break into the vault. And I realize that it's actually part of Mac Heist. Um, now you don't, you don't, you're not a Mac guy, are you? I, I generally am on the PC. Okay, so Mac Heist is essentially a yearly bundle of Mac software. Uh, but they always do it with this sort of game mechanic behind it, right? Like, they'll, they'll put little puzzles out. The first time they did it, they did a bunch of, like, YouTube stuff, and people were like, what the heck is this thing? And, uh, they, 
it was just, and they, they'd throw stuff into, like, people's podcasts that would just be, like, little, like, make it kind of seem like it's been broken into or whatever, and, uh, uh, and so, over the years, and then they kind of had the game leveling up mechanic that a lot of bundles do, where, you know, if a certain number of people order before this date, it gets bigger and, and all that. Well, apparently this is part of Mac Heist. And you can get access to, to more games and stuff like that the more you play this thing. And I thought that was really, really smart. Uh, it was smart in two ways. One, that they're doing it at all. But two, that they did it with a game that was enough fun that I didn't even know it was part of Mac Heist, and I was still playing it obsessively. Nice. That's very smart. Um, so yeah, so that I thought that was interesting, especially since uh, since of our conversation last time. Yeah, definitely. So uh, uh, we we kind of talked that everything's in pre-purchase now. Is there anything out there, Luke, that is on your uh, radar as to stuff that they're they're kind of pushing right now that um you can only kind of pre-purchase. The things well, that you're waiting for that, I mean, that when the Christmas about, rush cut starts coming around, we're going to start seeing. We definitely singing. talked about Mech Warrior, and you know we've talked a lot about Mech Warrior Online, the uh, MMO robot simulator, robot combat simulator, that uh, battle mech combat simulator. They're not robots, right? Um, that that is uh, sort of being released in stages and. You could get into the closed beta now if you want to, if you want to pay your way into the closed beta. But uh, maybe po- folks don't know that there's actually another game that's coming along with that called MechWarrior Tactics. Yep. Have you seen this? Oh, I've seen it. I'm it looking forward to it. a browser-based implementation. Essentially, I mean, there's definitely some simplifying, but essentially of the actual Battletech board game. Uh, and I am super excited for that. Uh, definitely will. I mean, I'm already on the like, hey, let me play as soon as possible list. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to that. In terms of big game releases, I got to tell you, there's just sort of nothing that's on my radar right now. And, you know, I've also so said I've, you know, when we went to, uh, I don't know, what was it, E3 this year? Uh, you know, all of the news coming out of E3, none of it really excited me. Right. Uh, we talked about how it was all kind of derivative and just sequels and things like that, and very little new stuff. And so, you know, I'm just kind of meh. That's how I feel at the moment. What about you? I'm definitely excited about one game in particular. Uh, the one game that I was excited about has been pushed back, possibly indefinitely, and that's Bioshock oh. Infinite. Oh, um, I didn't know that. The other the other game that's uh, on my radar right now is a game that it's getting a lot of critical acclaim, but at the same point, even though everyone's talking about it, everyone's calling it the sleeper hit, as in no one expects it to do great, but it's probably gonna, and that's a little game called Disheartened. No, Dishonored. Okay, Dishonored is the name of it. And Dishonored, tell me about it. Uh, the whole idea from what I've garnered from different videos and reviews is depending on how you want to play it, it could be one of two types of games. Uh, it seems like a very steampunky diesel punk kind of dystopian setting uh, with kind of a definitely a kind of class warfare system going on. 
And apparently, the guy that you're playing as, he is set up as... Uh, he was there to defend somebody and to be basically a bodyguard, but the person he was there to protect ends up getting killed, and you're framed for it. So you just go through the city trying to clear your name and at the same point get vengeance for those who would um, basically set you up. And it just, the game looks gorgeous. Uh, it does a, a mixture of really cool stealth mechanics with some really cool, uh, how do I want to put this? The Just the setting itself looks really amazing. The it, I love the fact that there's multiple ways to play this game. Like there, you know how when uh, what game were we talking about? Uh, Deus Ex, where mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, you can totally play a stealth version. No, you can play a stealth character, except the boss end. fight that you have to yeah. kill him and shoot him in the face a billion times. If you take the the stealth aspect of Deus Ex and make it actually functional. Like, you can play this game completely stealthy. Uh, or you can just run through the streets killing everyone. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it has this combination of almost like a magic element to it. Like, you can actually, like, jump into... Uh, like, like, one of the things that he did was he infiltrated his building by... There was a moat outside the building... He jumped into the, a fish, like literally. He like possessed this fish, swam into the sewer, and then popped out the other side. So there's okay, definitely now I'm starting to this remember this game. Kind of masquerade, kind of magic intrigue and stuff like that, combined with what looks like a really cool just combat mechanic. And so anything that's going to have a cool story, I'm going to get behind. And this this looks like the kind. I, there's no other game out there that looks like this, and so I'm I'm very excited about it. I want to play it. I'm uh, trying to find the sixty dollars I would need to buy it when it comes out. It's coming out in October, but yeah, that that's definitely one that's on my radar. Other than that, though, I agree that we're kind of in the lull period. Oh yeah, I mean, and I'm not all that excited about Christmas, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe Assassin's Creed. Maybe. Meh. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it at the moment, though. Uh, and I'm trying to get more of my geeky fun through other things, I guess. Um, through, uh, you know, books and uh, the like a little bit more at the moment. Uh, but there is one bit of news. It's not quite a uh, a new game that is coming out, uh, but a new way to play a game that we've talked an awful lot about on this show, and that is uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. Yeah, I'm really... It's it's becoming dangerous again. <laughs> well, and, so tell me, I mean, what do you think about this? First off, folks, if you haven't heard, uh, The Old Republic is going free to play sometime this fall. Um... I don't know if they have locked that down any tighter since uh, since they announced it, but um, and it is it's it's kind of a, a hybrid free to play. It's free to play with limitations, um, sort of a freemium kind of a thing. There is content that is locked out, 
Um, you know, one of the things that kind of for me seemed it, it basically seemed like all of the level fifty content is locked out, right? Or at least that's the stuff that's locked out. Maybe not all of it, but that's the stuff that's locked out. So of course for me, I'm kind of like, ah, uh, well, I'm already <laughs> level fifty. I mean, I could level another character, that's for sure. But um, so what do you think? Are you tempted to go back? Are you going to play Mech Warrior? Are you going to do both? Or are you? Are you anti MMO now, or uh, I'm, I'm not? I'm not anti MMO. I, as much as I want to be and and get on the, <laughs> the I don't want to pay money to play a video game kind of bandwagon. Uh, if you're making good content, I can't fault you for it. Um, the thing that it, that kind of bugs me about the the model in which Star Wars is coming out is it's the same thing that happened with Lord of the Rings Online. Um. I don't like the fact that you're dangling a carrot in front of me saying, look at this content. Look at this content. You can't play this unless you pay me money. Um, in Lord of the Rings, it was, you can't be certain races. Like, And of course, it was the coolest one. I couldn't play a Warforged if, uh, unless I paid, I think it was like 20 bucks to, pay, to play a Warforged. And I I had no desire to do that. And I, I from from what I've heard... Uh, Old Republic's going to do the same thing. It's going to it's going to dangle content out in front of you and saying, "Yeah, you can play for free, but all the stuff you're going to want, you're going to have to pay for it." To me, I think that what this really indicates, and you know, we we both said we enjoyed the game. Uh, we really love the story. Um, I really think that the static world of the MMO and the at this point, kind of semi-tired mechanic of the MMO. I mean, Sorter did add a lot to it, no question. But um, it's just not something that's worth paying for anymore. Right. Um, you know, there's there's sort of the dream that holds out of the of the actual living, breathing world that we're going to be able to enter into and and alter and control and be a part of. But it's not so Wild West like an EVE Online, but it's something that has developers that are guiding it and has systems within it that, that limit behavior. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just not that interesting anymore to, to be in a world where everything's already mapped. You know, to be in a world where uh, everything is, you know, you can kind of look it up. I want to be able to make choices. I want to be able to to discover, um, you know, kind of how, how I really uh, want to feel like I'm making an impact in the gaming world. I mean, you know, we can kind of call back to earlier in this episode. You know, you you said that your kids were were kind of not really vibing on passing out flyers until they realized, well, wait a minute, this makes an impact. They, they were they were not up for grinding fair foods rep is what right it was. Exa- exactly exactly what it what it is and um so you know i think that uh they're struggling they're struggling big time you know um i i honestly see this as a as a just shy of desperate kind of a place i i can't imagine that they actually i i know they must have had this contingency but I can't imagine they believed that it was going to have to go this way. Well, that happens a lot. You know, you know, everyone gets up there and says, well, 
yeah, everyone else is, ha- is this is happening to everyone else, but but we're going to be different. <laughs> and here they are becoming free to play. Yeah, well, you know, I, I it's a, definitely an interesting uh, an interesting development. I don't think I'm going to go back. Maybe if if uh, other people I know do, and I want to play games with people I know, I might do that. Um, but the the game itself is not drawing me back in, even though it's Star Wars, and that that kind of hard to hard kind of hard to swallow. So, Mike, I have uh, I have this idea that's been rolling around in my head. This question. Okay. And I want to run it by you, and I want to kind of see what you think about this. And so I've I've uh, I've been playing Civilization a lot, right? Like enough that it's gotten into my psyche, and now I think like in terms of Civilization. Uh, um, and so I've been thinking about game mechanics, right? And All right. a super simplification here, okay? But most games have at at least two basic stages. Uh, what you might call the setup stage or the creation stage and then the uh, the recurring turns stage. Whatever you, you know, the gameplay stage, the main stage, whatever. Right. And different games fall in uh, uh, sort of weight each of those in different ways. So say for example a game like Axis and Allies. You, have, you've, you know what Axis, you've played Axis and Allies at some point, of right? Of course has no setup stage. I mean, you spend an hour and a half setting up the board, but you have to do it according to the instruction book. It has to be very specific. Uh, You know, this many units go here, this many units go there, yada, yada, yada. Right. To set it up as the scenario would have been at the beginning of World War II, or the beginning of the stage of World War II where uh, the game starts. But, then as you play, there's like a friggin' infinite number of possibilities for where troops go and, and all of that. And so it has a very dynamic sort of main stage. Uh, I was thinking about, like, Dungeons & Dragons. Huge creation stage. Right? I mean, half of the fun of the game is creating the character. And, half? It's most of it for me. <laughs> yeah, and so you're going through, and you're, you're not just, like, creating the character and rolling for stats and whatnot. But you're picking all of the uh, powers and thinking about, okay, how am I going to combine these powers? And you're sort of building a lot of a lot of the strategy of the game happens in that creation stage. But, and we've talked about this in the past, during the actual outplay, during the main stage, so to speak, you kind of find yourself doing the same thing again and again because you're fairly limited by the number of powers you have and how often you can use those powers, right? Right. Civilization. It has a setup stage. You set up the game. And uh, for those maybe who haven't played Civilization, uh, there are multiple ways that you can win Civilization. Uh, you can win by score, but if you win by score, you're kind of a loser. Um, <laughs> you can uh, win by military might. You can capture all of the... Or actually, rather, to be more technical, you can be the last person to hold on to your capital city. You can be the first person to get to space. You can uh, have the greatest culture in the world. You can start the United Nations and become the the leader of the world. Uh, so there's lots of ways. And there's this little tiny setup window where 
you pick your leader, you pick your uh, your gameplay style, you pick your world style, and you can make some choices there to kind of decide, well, this is the way I'm going to play this game. So maybe you, you decide you want to have a cultural victory. So you're going to pick a map that has a lot of city-states and that you're going to pick a civilization that has cultural boosts, right? Uh, but here's the thing. <laughs> I always play civilization with a random map and a random leader. Because as I don't you want should, As you should. Thank you. Uh, because I want to be in that main stage. I want to be responding to the situation, right? So tell me, how do you feel? Are you, I mean, I know how much you love characters. So do you love, like games that are a lot more kind of strategy on the front end and then see how it unfolds? Or would you rather be shifting and changing on the fly? Well, yes. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. You, you, you can't do that. No, I, I know. You're going to make me pick one. Um, I'm I, not making you pick one. Games make us pick one. They're very little. I can't even think. I, I've thought for a while, and I can't think of a good example of a game where there's a really solid balance between loadout and then turn-by-turn play. Right. I... To me, I want to know where people come from. This is in games. This is in real life. I want to know where they've come from, what has influenced them, where... How did we get here? What happened before game moment one? Because if if I'm really looking at these people in this game, and if I'm actually caring about these people in this game, much like characters in books and TV shows, stuff has happened to them before cameras started rolling, before pixels started flashing. There was something going on. And so I I am definitely uh I'm definitely a type who wants to who wants to set things up. My biggest thing the part of the reason why I've kind of lost interest over the years in the Final Fantasy games is because customization and this is my group kind of has gone out the window. Now it's just these are your four guys and you get to pick what type of person these four guys are. So I'm definitely I'm definitely a setup guy. I want I want to see something real. I want I want people to be real. So as I was thinking about this, I realized that there are spiritual ramifications of this question. Uh and and you can kind of take this a couple of different ways. I thought about it one in terms of how I see the Bible. Uh, okay. In terms of how I see the Bible, I'm totally a setup guy. Cuz I want to go back. I want to know what the world was like when these things were written. I want to know how the story was transmitted. I want to understand why they use the words that they used to tell these stories, right? Right. That's what I studied. That's what I love. But then I realized that when it comes to life and my everyday life, I really try to avoid being a setup guy. I still am a setup guy, but I really try to avoid it because it's like, you know, it's it's just like a civilization game. You know, I started this game yesterday with a plan to be the the dominant military in the world. Uh, you know, everything is kind of set up that way, right? Um, 
you know, when I hit my random civilization, it came up to be Japan, a very military uh, civilization in the game. I find I very quickly realized that the piece of land that I was on had no connection at all to other lands. Mm. At, at all. <laughs> uh, and that's very rare. I don't think I've ever had that happen before. There's always a little bit of coast that gets you to another land, even maybe not every other land, but at least one. And I had nothing. I was completely surrounded by ocean. Well, by the time I had developed the technology to get me across the world, the rest of the world was humongous. I had been on this little tiny piece of land. I had to change my I had to change my strategy. You know, in life we do this, right? We say oh, God yeah, gives us a vision, God gives us a plan, or or we give ourselves a vision, we give ourselves a plan, and we are going to go out there and we are going to make that plan happen. Well, God often comes along and says, "Sorry, you're on an island. What are you going to do now?" And so, you know, we have to be ready to to listen to the spirit and change as the game unfolds. You know, we talk about it all the time. We say God is the game master. We don't know how the game is going to unfold. I haven't written the story. He has. Right, and that that's something that even kind of unfolded with one of our kids uh, in Boston. Uh, they were I wasn't even at this particular project site when uh, he he did this. I was talking to him later on, and I said uh, I I did what all youth leaders do when talking to their kids about a trip. I said I said what is it that God's really telling you about? life and existence and everything on this trip and he goes he uh he looked at me and he said i realize that god's plans are not mine and i said that's a solid observation uh what what led you to what led you to that conclusion he goes well we went to this one job site and they're like, yep, we need somebody to go in here and do lawn work and mow and, you know, get the weed whacker and just go to town on the lawn. And his kind of M.O. is to do that stuff. Like, that's what he likes doing. So he's like, I, I want to do that. And, and the people running the site said, no, we need you over here. And basically what he was going to be doing instead was hauling furniture up several flights of stairs that kind of corkscrewed around. So he went from doing what he really likes doing to kind of doing grunt work that wasn't exactly easy. But later on, he realized something, that due to the makeup of the students that we brought with us and the group that was at his particular work site, if he wasn't doing that, it probably wouldn't have gotten done. And so God kind of fit him in, not where he was, quote-unquote, designed to go, but God said, this is where I need you. And he stepped into that and said, okay, this is where I'm needed, I, I gotta do this. And something that is pivotal to the, uh, that, that, play, that job site's ministry got done because he showed up, because God called him to be somewhere outside of where he wanted to be. You know, how often in life do we look at things and go, this is not the way it was supposed to turn out? You know, I was not, I was not supposed it. to be conquered by Gandhi. <laughs> everybody feels that way at some point. And, you know, I hate it. I, I, 
I hate when people say, you you know, you're having a conversation and you're talking about how things are going in your life. Things aren't going real well. And they say, you know what? I They say to you, as a way of being encouraging, you know, I know that, that God has a reason for everything. Right. That he has a plan for everything. And here's the thing, is in, in the moment, that's really, really crappy advice. It's horrible advice. That's like that's like if if uh, talking to a mom who's lost her kid. It's all in God's plan. Right. Sure, it is. But, I can't. You know, not not. There's not a one of us who would say that the sovereign God who's in charge of everything doesn't know that this happened. However, that mom is not going to feel better right. about the fact that her child is now dead. So it's a terrible piece of advice, but it is true. This when we say this is not the way it was supposed to work out. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And that sucks sometimes, but that's the way it is, if you believe. And you know, sometimes uh God puts you in places where you were not expecting to be. I am currently in a place where I was not expecting to be at all ever. But I'm here. So okay, God, what are we doing now? Right, and see, that's that's the important bit right there. Right. Like, oh. it. some people think that uh, God's just... The way they describe it, it's almost as if they think God's just messing with us. Like, when I was in Texas, I kept telling people, I don't know where God's going to put me, but I know one thing's for sure, it's not in Texas. <laughs> I, I said that all the time. And every time I said it, somebody looked at me and said, you say that now, but God, you know, God's going to have you here in Texas because you said that it's the one place you wouldn't go. God is not like up there playing, you know, mystical roulette with our lives saying, oh, no, I'm going to show him, aren't I? Ha 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 ha. Well, he might be in Texas. (laughs) But... When when God calls us to something that's outside of normal, which is outside of where we want to be, he doesn't just leave us there. He calls us there for a purpose. He gives us the ability to be there. It's See, not like, you know, we just get dropped and uh, I'll, I'll, I've been neck deep in Dungeons and Dragons lately, so I'm going to use this example. It's not like we're in the middle of a... A diplomatic, highly, you know, civilized organization, and we drop the barbarian in there with no ability to speak to anyone. Like, he doesn't do that. We serve a God who not only, who does call us into, you know, situations that make us uncomfortable, situations that we don't expect, but he equips us, he calls us, he places us. You know, I think that, okay, so I know a lot of gamers, a lot of gamers who would, if they were playing as Japan and found themselves on an island that they cannot get off of until 1600 AD, they would restart the game. Right. Now, one, I think that's pathetic, but (laughs) in life, we can't restart the game. But a lot of us try. Oh, yeah. And it's the worst thing we could do. Is to try to restart that game. Because all that ends up doing is pausing the game. God took us to a place. He is the game master. 
He has us wherever we happen to be right now at this moment. And the only thing we can say to him is, okay, God, now what? Right. You know, going kind of going back to our tagline, um, when we, we redid episode one and we were talking about when we actually first came up with the illustration of God as a game master and how uh, I, I, I was kind of looking at it because I've spent a lot of time lately running games. When I'm running a game, I don't like shoehorn and make it impossible to do anything other than go into the plot that I'm setting up. But I kind of lead and guide my players. I say, there's something cool this way, or I'll drop something in and say, you know, go here because this is happening, or or there's this there's a an image that you saw over in this tavern and you see it here too. And I, I you know, I, I lead people to places that you know, sometimes it works out well for them. Sometimes it gets them in trouble. But all the time it gets to an interesting story. It gets to where they're going to be challenged, but they're going to be able to get through it. Because my goal is not to kill them. My goal is to provide them with a cool story. In the same way, you know, God isn't out to just leave us out to dry. God is there, and he is going to call us to places that we never would have expected. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will encourage us to go down a certain path. But he doesn't just let us sit there. He is making us into something beautiful. He is bringing us to become part of the story that he is telling in this scenario. And part of that story might be... Dude, I was completely... I I thought I'd be completely worthless here. I thought I had no business being here. But God did something amazing. And let me tell you about how I thought I was up a creek. But God God came in and did something miraculous. I love love that story uh, in the Bible. Where uh, Jesus and the disciples come across the blind man. And uh, the first thing they say is... Was it this man's sin or the sin of his parents that caused him to be blind? And Jesus' response was, it wasn't his sin, it wasn't his parents' sin. He is blind so that I can show you this. And he heals him. And a lot of times that's how God's story works in our lives. We look at it and go, this is horrible, this is vile, this is... What did I do to deserve this? And God says, I'm about to do something that is so much greater than you. And I'm allowing you to be part of that. You are part of the story that will affect the world. Well, you got to be part of that story last week. And you know what? We all do. Even if we're not uh, off doing a week of missions. Uh, And, you know, I think that, hey, we talked already about how there's not so many cool geek things to do this week. Well, maybe it's a good time to stop and say, okay, God, now what? So, Mike, how can folks find out a little bit more about you and connect with you uh, in other ways? Uh, the biggest one is going to be Tinker Story. That's my hub for all things that I've been been writing. Um, it's It's been my archive. It's in archive mode for a good long while. Um, but you can still see things like connecting to my Twitter feeds and stuff like that. Uh, I am also all over uh, our Game Store Profits Facebook page. Um, Facebook.com slash Game Store Profits. Uh, I 
I post stuff up there pretty constantly. I've been quiet lately, obviously, due to the fact that I've been in Boston and not checking my Facebook. But now that I'm back, I will probably be posting stuff up to there and changing the cover photo, because I know you enjoy that, Luke. <laughs> um, I also am doing Perception Check, which is perception-check.com. And that's kind of our overflow blog, kind of the catch-all of stuff that either doesn't fit or the medium isn't right, or for some reason we can't fit it into this show. Uh, I talk about it on Perception Check. I'm also on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano, if you want to hear about from me and all the fun stuff that I do. And Von Klockwerk, if you want to know about cool people that I know in the steampunk community and uh, different events and stuff like that. Also, if you email us at gamestoreprofits at gmail.com, uh, I'm the guy who answers that. So if you email us with different uh, topics you want us to talk about, or if you want to know what, what we're up to, or even if you just want to say, you know, check in with us and you know see just what we're up to, and even, I don't know, just drop us a line. We greatly appreciate it. We've had so much fun connecting with our, our audience uh, through our Facebook page, and we definitely want to see that continue. We really, we thrive on hearing from you guys. Luke, what about you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, at Luke Navarro. Uh, otherwise, the best way to get a hold of me is right there on that Facebook fan page. However, uh, going to be gone for a little while here. Uh, on vacation, you were gone last week, Mike. I'm, I'll be gone the next two. So as I head off to find out what God has for me, uh, hopefully you will do the same and remember that God is the Game Master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>